Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. Today we're continuing our journey into the past, where the world of computers was about to undergo a revolution, all thanks to the remarkable tale of two young men. College life at Harvard University was already keeping Bill Gates on his toes with classes and campus adventures, but little did he know he was about to change the world forever. Fast forward to the middle of his sophomore year, a time when Bill Gates and his friend Paul Allen stumbled upon a magazine called Popular Electronics with the headline, World's First Mini Computer Kit. This was the birth of the Altair 8800. The Altair was unique because it was a small computer able to perform tasks that previously required large, expensive mainframe computers. Do you remember the huge computers we mentioned in the previous episode that required large rooms of equipment? With an Altair 8800 at an affordable price, someone could own a computer small enough to have in their own home. The Altair 8800 didn't look like today's sleek computers. It looked more like a black microwave with switches and lights. It didn't even have a keyboard or screens. Bill and Paul quickly realized that the Altair had the hardware but lacked something very important, software. It was like having a car with no fuel, a machine ready to go but unable to move. The physical part of the computer, like the hard drive and the motherboard, is called the hardware. But everything you use the computer for, what you see on the screen, like games and pictures, is called software. Many people call these apps today. The Altair was a computer with nothing to do on it. That's where Bill Gates and Paul Allen saw an opportunity. Bill Gates was not your typical college student. He and Paul Allen were brilliant programmers, bursting with energy and vision. They knew what they had to do. Create the missing software that would bring the Altair 8800 mini computer to life. Bill called the company that made the computer. The company was called MITS and was located in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He told the head of MITS, Ed Roberts, that he and his partner were writing language software for the 8800. He asked if MITS was interested in seeing it. Roberts said sure. He agreed to meet with the boys in a little over a month. They boldly declared that their program was almost completed, yet they actually hadn't even begun. For the next eight weeks, they started on a whirlwind of late-night coding sessions and intense problem-solving. With time running out and their dreams on the line, Bill and Paul had to pull off something extraordinary. A friend from Harvard joined their mission, and just in the nick of time, their program was ready. Paul Allen journeyed to Albuquerque, New York, to present their creation to Ed Roberts, the head of the company. 
Their software had never been tested on a real Altair 8800 before. In a room filled with anticipation, Paul entered the command, print, 2 plus 2. Then the magic happened. The computer responded with a 4. Success. That moment changed everything. Ed Roberts, head of MITS, decided to purchase their program, marking the birth of the very first programming language for a microcomputer. And Bill Gates was just a 19-year-old college student at the time. After Bill and Paul made their deal with MITS, they needed an interesting name for their business. They picked Microsoft, because they were making software for tiny computers, micro meaning tiny. In less than a year, they decided to drop the hyphen. Bill became the president of Microsoft, and Paul was the vice president. They worked day and night and hired more people as Microsoft grew. As Bill Gates hired new people, he expected everyone at Microsoft to work just as hard as he did, even late nights and on the weekends. Luckily, most of the people there didn't mind because they were young, smart, and excited about computers. In 1980, Bill was about to sign a major deal with a giant company called IBM. IBM was the biggest computer maker in the world, known for their massive computers that took up entire rooms. But now they wanted to make smaller computers, and they turned to Microsoft for help. It was a very big deal. At that time, Bill was just 24 years old, and Microsoft had about 32 employees. In contrast, IBM had well over 300,000 people working for them. At first, people at IBM might have thought Bill was too young, but they soon realized how much he knew about computers. So they hired little Microsoft to create the software for their new small computers. The software they needed was called an operating system, which is like the commander of the computer. It tells everything how to work, the keyboard, the screen, and all the other software. Without an operating system, the computer wouldn't be able to do much, especially not use software. For nearly a year, Microsoft worked hard to create the software operating system, and in 1981, IBM released its first personal computer, called a PC for short, and these PCs used Microsoft's operating system called MS-DOS. Soon other companies started making copies of IBM's small computers, called clones. Microsoft could sell versions of MS-DOS to these companies as well. MS-DOS quickly became the standard operating system for computers all around the world. With this success, Microsoft grew like crazy. By the end of 1981, they had 130 employees, and by 1983, nearly 500. Bill was no longer able to know everyone by name, but he was still very involved in everything. At meetings, Bill expected everyone to work hard, and he respected those who stood up for their ideas and defended them. What mattered most to him was finding the best solutions to problems. Microsoft unveiled their latest software update in 1985 called Windows. What set it apart was a small tool on the computer screen known as a mouse. This tiny device had actually been around for a while, but for most computer users, it was their first time seeing it. The mouse brought a big change in how people use their computers. Before Windows, PC users had to memorize complex commands and type them on a keyboard, but with Windows, things became much easier. They could simply point at pictures on the computer screen. By clicking the mouse on an icon, an entire program would pop up. The reason they named their software Windows 
was because it allowed you to have more than one screen open at a time, just like having multiple windows in your room. In 1986, Bill Gates made an important move by taking Microsoft public. Going public meant that anyone could buy a small part of the company, called shares of stock. These shares were bought and sold on what's called the stock market. Shares in Microsoft sold very quickly, and suddenly overnight Bill Gates became a millionaire. By the following year, the value of Microsoft's stock had skyrocketed so much that he became a billionaire for the first time. Eight years after that, he earned the title of the world's richest person. He held on to that title for many years, from 1995 to 2007, and once again in 2009. His fortune was worth well over $50 billion. When he was 38, he married Melinda French in Hawaii, and it became famous all around the world. In order to keep it private and avoid people coming to take pictures, they rented out all the hotel rooms on the entire island and even hired all the helicopters so their photographers couldn't fly over and take pictures. Later on, they became parents to three kids, Jennifer Catherine, Rory John, and Phoebe Adele. In 1997, he built a 55,000-square-foot home near Seattle, Washington that sat on the top of a hill with an amazing view of Lake Washington. To be eco-friendly and save trees, they built the house mainly using old, reclaimed lumber. When guests entered the house, they could wear a badge with a tiny microchip that contained information about their favorite things. When a guest entered a room, their favorite music played. The lighting and room temperature automatically adjusted to their tastes. Even their favorite art was displayed on the walls. The house had everything you could dream of, a game room, a movie theater, and a fully equipped gym. An indoor pool stretching 60 feet long had music underwater, and you could dive beneath a glass wall to go outside. There was also a boathouse, a dock, and a guest house. But his absolute favorite part of the house was the giant library. Inside that library, hidden behind a secret wall, was a notebook written by the genius Leonardo da Vinci over 500 years ago, and Bill paid $30 million to own it. Bill also became a philanthropist. A philanthropist is someone who donates a lot of money to help others. After making all of his money with Microsoft, Bill started giving away huge amounts of it. He and his wife Melinda started the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, where they donated billions of dollars from their own fortune. Their main question was, how can we use our resources to help the most people in the best way possible? Back in the early days, every office desk had a typewriter on it. But now, thanks to the computer revolutions that Bill Gates led, almost every office desk in the United States has a computer on it. And there's a computer in almost every home. So what do you think about the story of Bill Gates? Pretty fascinating, right? Now when you see a computer and the software or the apps that run on it, you'll remember one of the geniuses who helped bring it into the world. The world is waiting for new ideas to be born. What are some of your big ideas, or even little ideas? Even the big ideas have to start somewhere. <laughs>